Hey everyone, if you are expecting to hear a little bit more about my life, um, I'm sorry. We're going to put that on the back burner for a little bit. I'm going to be introducing a new series. It's uh, a passion project of mine that I've been working on while I was on hiatus from uh, Chasing Chanthavisuk slash Hi, I'm Noi. It's something that's very near and dear to me, uh, especially to my family, uh, especially my dad and my uncles. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say brief, but it's a history that, that not a lot of people talk about. And I, I do, I've talked about it several times in, in my podcast. And that is the, uh, the war in Laos. Um, I grew up, I, I, I would hear about it from, from my dad, uh, and my uncles and, you know, my dad would have some friends over and they would talk about the war and I was kind of interested in it, but uh, didn't really get too deep into it. And then, you know, as, as I got older and, you know, war never changes, uh, the tagline from Fallout. Um, and, and as my dad is getting older as well, you know, I wanted to learn more about it because it, it, it still affects him to this day. I mean, I, I see the scars on his chest. Um, I, I know he goes through some PTSD stuff. Um, I remember one day Alex was crying, you know, just, just being a baby crying and my dad disappeared and you know I I, I wonder where he went and then uh, my stepmom came up to me and said that your your dad just couldn't hear um, Alex crying because uh, it was bringing back some stuff from the war and so you know that 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 kind of that kind of moved the needle forward a little bit for me um, to find out more about what was going on and so I uh, interviewed some people, my dad included, and um, did a lot of research, a lot of digging, and probably, <laughs> I, I, I say I did a lot of digging, but honestly, I did probably about six months worth of research, and it was probably the most research uh, and studying I've done since college, so uh, it was something very, very important to me, and I just wanted to, to get that out. And so uh, this is the first um, first episode of that series, and this is for you lazy people. This is going to be a summary of what the series is going to be about. Uh, series one is uh, about the war in Laos. I've already started writing series two, uh, which is about the, uh, the, the Cambodian Civil War um, and about the Khmer Rouge and all that, and I'm still putting finishing touches up on that one. But... Uh, this is going to be called Chasing History uh, with Noi Chanthavisuk, and the first episode is a summary. So I'm going to do the summary first uh, as the first episode, and then uh, subsequently next week will be a deeper dive into how the war started, um, you know, the players involved, uh, week two slash three. Uh, will be about um, the Hmong people, how they were dragged into it, to it, and and then we'll just go go from there. But uh, in this series, we're going to be delving into a chapter of history that often goes unnoticed. That's the war in Laos, um, nestled in Southeast Asia. Laos endured a tumultuous period uh, during mid twentieth century that saw it caught in a crossfire of larger geopolitical conflicts, conflicts, <laughs> conflicts, oh no. Um, so let's uncover the untold story of the war in Laos. 
Uh, gotta set the stage. Uh, to set the stage, we need to understand the context. The war in Laos took place within the border, uh, within the broader context of uh, the Indo-China War, which included the Vietnam War, the Cambodian Civil War, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the conflict in Laos is often referred to as the Secret War uh, because the CIA didn't really want to talk about it because it never happened and because largely, you know, not for nothing, spoiler alert, uh, the U.S. lost the Vietnam War. And so when we lose something, we kind of just eh, put it underneath the rug. Um, but uh, the Secret War occurred from the early 1960s to the mid-1970s. Uh, uh, while overshadowed by the Vietnam War, its impact on the Laotian people was profound. I mean, we still talk about it. Not you don't hear about it, but you know the the older Lao people still talk about it. And um, in fact, uh, there's an episode of King of the Hill in which um, Khan and and his uh, friends uh, band together. And they get into uh, military fatigue, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna go back, take back Laos. You know." <laughs> and um, it's it's fo so funny and uh, funny too. A lot of the uh, Laotian people, myself, um, is that our dads plan on doing that, <laughs> and that's, that's that's the funny part about it is it, it wasn't so far fetched because you know on, on the, at the drop of a hat, I bet you if <laughs> if my my uh, my dad's friends came over and said, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go free Laos." I bet you my dad would be on the first plane uh, over there. And so uh, when that happened, I thought it was pretty hilarious when I saw that episode. Uh, the Secret War was not so secret to the uh, Laotian people, who experienced its devastating consequences. The war was primarily driven by the United States' efforts to prevent the spread of communism in the region. The communist uh, Pathet Lao, uh, supported by the North Vietnamese or supported by North Vietnam and the Soviet Union, sought to overthrow the Laotian government, leading to a complex and covert struggle. What makes this war even more tragic is the heavy bombing campaign carried out by the U.S. Laos was the staging airfield for U.S. bombers. They were told not to land their planes with unexploded ordnance still on board. Instead, to just drop the load before landing, often over farmland or occupied villages. In fact, Laos holds the unfortunate record for being the most heavily bombed country per capita in history. Imagine one bomb dropping every eight minutes for nine years, and you'll understand what the Lao people went through. And yeah, it's it's um it's still a thing. Like uh, the UN, uh, the Lao government, and um, some like independent uh, companies. Are still out there. They're still out there finding mines, uh, finding unexploded ordnance, and um, yeah, it's still a thing. They're they they're saying it's gonna take, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years to get that all done. Uh, the bombing in Laos had far-reaching effects, many of which are still felt today. The countryside was littered with unexploded ordnance or UXO, posing a persistent danger to civilians. Even decades after the war's end, these hidden remnants continue to claim lives and hinder economic development. Some villagers have taken to selling these uh, UXOs as souvenirs to foreign travelers, thinking they're handmade trinkets. And I've heard um, stories of this. Like you would go to a uh, to a small Lao village, and they would sell you, you know, they they would sell you this 
object that looks like a bomb and it, it's because it is a bomb and uh, a lot of times it's unexploded and people just assume that that was a trinket that was made by the villagers and they would take it on the on the plane and they have small airports in Laos and so you don't have like bag checks and so here you are flying around with essentially a bomb in your backpack and people are still you know oh you know, look what I got today Instagram God, I hate Instagram. It's so, it, Instagram ruins tourism. All right? I'll put it right there. I'll put it on podcast right now. You hear it. Uh, it's crucial to acknowledge the, resist, uh, the resilience and strength of the Laotian people throughout the tumultuous period. Many, including my parents, fled their homes, seeking refuge in neighboring countries or facing incredible challenges within their own borders. Um, my mom and my dad uh, escaped uh, after the war. And they went to they went to Thailand, and were in the refugee camps. And uh, people thought refugee camps were cool, you know. And I thought it was cool, but reading more into it, it was more more of a quarantine zone. Um, the places were all fenced in. Uh, you had to check in and check out. It it, it felt like uh, it felt like you were free. You were in a village. Um, but turns out, um, a lot of it was being watched by either the police or the military to make sure, you know, that we stayed in the confines of those camps. And I didn't know that until I, I started doing some more digging in my earlier episodes. I'm like, yeah, I was a carefree kid. You know, everything was cool. We did what we wanted. Not really. Um, come to find out. Uh, we were we were in pretty strict conditions and everything was okay so long as we stayed with uh, behind those walls but um, it wasn't as hunky-dory as I thought it would be and you know as a kid you know rose-colored glasses you thought everything was cool but um, your parents knew better let's not forget the stories of the Hmong people an ethnic group that played a significant role in the war Many Hmong supported the U.S. efforts, participating in covert operations, acting as allies. When the war ended, the Hmong faced reprisals, leading to a mass exodus and establishments, new communities abroad. Um, a lot of the Hmong people fled as well because they were branded as traitors. They were branded as, as people who were less than. Um, and so when the North Vietnamese took over... Um, they hunted them down systematically. They were hunting them down in the mountains, um, in the villages. And so they had to flee. They, they, uh, flee. <laughs> they had to flee. And a lot of them moved to, uh, to California. And uh, more moved to Minnesota. And so we have, you know, a huge community of Hmong people in, in, in Minnesota as well as uh, Northern California. And... Uh, if you listen to my book review, um, the uh, spirit catches you and you fall down. It it, it documents a uh, a Hmong family that lived in uh, lived in California. And while the war officially ended in 1975 with the establishments of a communist government in Laos, its legacy continues to shape the country. Post-war recovery and reconciliation. Uh, have been an ongoing process with efforts to clear the UXO, support victims, and rebuild infrastructure. Yeah, like I like I said, it's it's an ongoing thing. Um, Laos is called the People's uh, Democratic 
uh, Lao. And <laughs> whenever you hear the People's Democratic, uh, it's 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 not. It's communist. Um, I mean, the People's Democratic Republic of China. You know, so yeah, it's 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 a structure. Um, obviously, communism. Uh, the Soviet Union pays China. China paid the North Vietnamese. The North Vietnamese took over uh, Laos. And so it's a Laos government puppeting for the Vietnamese, puppeting for China, and puppeting for Russia at the time. Um, I think China kind of just took over that whole thing. Uh, got promoted from middle manager to, uh, to store manager, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, whenever you go there, it's, it's free, you're free to do things, you're free to move about, um, you're not being watched, per se, as much, but it is still a, uh, a very communist country, and they're starting to allow people to, you know, have businesses, businesses, and, and what have you, but, um, you're not allowed to have a podcast in Laos, which is why I'm still number one. Uh, so that's still a thing. Um, my uh, my aunt passed away recently, uh, earlier this summer, and she had jaundice. Um, and it's it's uh, it's pre- I wouldn't say it's preventable, but it's it's not easily curable either. But if she had been in the U.S., um, her chances of survival would have been a lot better. Um, in Laos, money talks. Um, and so when she gotten really sick, she had gotten to the hospital. You know, they put her in the emergency room. The emergency room's more of a, uh, we'll get to you when we get paid. And so my, uh, my family here had frantically gathered some money sent it over um to her and yeah eventually uh the doctor got paid and yeah he was willing to see her willing you know you get you get to be seen by the doctor now Uh, unfortunately uh it was it was too late and uh she had passed and you know nobody even knew they didn't even tell her what she died of um her uh her family or her family over there my family um, had told my parents that her her eyes were yellow. She was looking really, really yellow, and so I just you know went on Google, looked up yellow skin, yellow eyes, uh, jaundice is what it came out with, and I knew some people who actually had it, and um, they had it when they were kids. And they're still alive. They're still uh, kicking around. Their uh, their growth was uh, stuttered, but they're alive and. Um, I just think that, you know, if my aunt was here, uh, she'd still be alive today. And I would uh, be dropping Alex off for her to uh, to babysit. And so, yeah, over there, money talks. Um, you can definitely grease up the government. You can grease up anybody if you've got the money. And so, um, back to the episode. Um, by acknowledging this often overlooked history... We can learn lessons about the devastating cost of war. War? War changes everything. But it's a history that should not be forgotten. And that is the end of uh, this episode. It's very short. Again, it's it's just cliff notes. 
Uh, next week, we're going to go deeper into it. And um, like I said, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I put a lot into it again. Um, and I hope you learn as much as I did because there's a lot of stuff that I did not know. Um, a lot of stuff that I think my parents and my uncles uh, didn't want me to know. I didn't have to know. I mean, again, like I would always say like sometimes I'm in an incredible amount of pain. My, I've had back issues ever since I was 10 years old and sometimes Alex wants to play and my body is saying no but what am I going to do I'm going to tell my son that I don't want to play with him you know so yes I'm in a great deal of pain I'm in a great deal of pain right now as I'm sitting in this chair swinging around constantly uh, talking to you guys but uh, does Alex need to know that no no absolutely not he's a kid he wants to play and daddy's gonna play with him and so that's the same way my parents treated it like you know the war was bad the war was absolutely bad people died uh my dad was captured and he escaped and um in, to this day he's blacklisted from the country he can't set foot in his own home country because he's technically a war criminal um and so your kids don't need to know that you know and i completely understand them yeah, being sheltered by that but as I get older, as my parents get older, I want to know more about them. I want to know more about my people. And so that's how Chasing Chan the Visu started. Actually, it's I want Alex to know more about his father when he's ready, if, he's, if he even wants to. But um, it's there for him. And so that's what I'm doing right now. That's what this series is all about is getting to know more about my history and hopefully you guys get to know more about my history so thanks for listening i hope you guys uh tune in next week and i will see you then thank you